Welcome to the Small Steps Big Wins Podcast, where I'm dedicated to helping you take control of your life. I'm Sue Saller, and I'm excited to be your host on this journey. I'll be bringing you inspiring stories, practical tips, and expert advice to help you overcome obstacles, set and achieve your goals, and live the life you've always wanted. Together, we'll discover that making small changes is not only possible, but can lead to big results. Join me now as we explore the power of positive thinking, the art of goal setting, and strategies for success. Are you ready? Let's go do this. Welcome to the Small Steps Big Wins Podcast, and I would like to welcome Sarah Weaver to our show. Sarah is a real estate investor, speaker, entrepreneur, and her book, 30 Day Stay, is currently ranked 15th in real estate investing and finance on Amazon. Sarah, welcome. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Sue. I'm happy to be here. Take as much time as you need. Uh, I would love to hear your superhero backstory. So my my first investment property, I actually was driving for dollars and door knocking. So I I knew that I wanted to own real estate and I had a wedding that I was attending in Kansas City. And so I was driving this specific neighborhood. I thought it would be a great place to own a long-term buy and hold rental. I, of course, didn't use that language back then. I didn't know that. Um, but I was driving for dollars and I was door knocking. So Hi, I'm Sarah. I've been living in Asia for the last year. I'd like to buy your house. Oh, wow. And <laughs> that was um, how I found my first rental property. Uh, how long ago, actually, was that when you started the door knocking? Just that to put it in the time. It takes a lot of nerves to do that, to just walk up to somebody's house, knock on the door and say, hey, are you thinking about selling your house? You know, I think, it, I think, I think it's funny. I think in the moment it didn't feel scary. It was like, well, yeah, if I want to buy a stranger's house, I have to talk to them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Bought your first property. Where did it? So that was your first small step really was to get that property. Yeah. And talk what about happened? a bit and talk about a big win. I took the entire upstairs of that property down to the studs and then used the rent by the room strategy and rented it out to 20 somethings. And then I bought a one-way ticket to Europe and traveled Europe for three months, came back to the property, went on another short vacation to Central America to Belize. And while I was in Belize, I thought, why am I going back to the U.S.? I should live abroad. And so I went home to American Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving that November. And I announced to my family, mom and dad, I'm moving abroad. I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina. And they said, great, pass the gravy. Oh, wow. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Like to like, get Guys, I'm like telling you a big thing. They were like, uh -huh. yeah, 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 whatever. You're always traveling. Did that reaction take you by surprise then? I think I wanted, well, just like what are you any, looking for? I think yeah. anyone who uh, is words of affirmation is my love language. So I'm sure mm -hmm. I wanted, I wanted, you know, wow, that's incredible. It's going to be so amazing. This is mm -hmm. like, because for me, it was so different than what I was doing. Like all the other travels prior to then was traveling. But this was like, no, I am moving abroad. Mm-hmm. Once you made that decision to move abroad, uh, what happened next? Yeah, I boarded a plane and I realized that I could self-manage that first rental from anywhere. So mm -hmm. I ended up spending two months in Argentina, three months in Brazil, mm -hmm. three months in Mexico. I bought another property, a duplex in Kansas City. 
And then I was in Bali when, well, then I did nine months or no, no, no. Then I did nine weeks traveling Southeast Asia, moved to Bali and then COVID hit. So then I oh, moved wow. to New Zealand. And so I had. And you were buying property at this time. So did well, you have, you must have had people. One. Just one more. Okay. Well, it seems like it was a lot. <laughs> did you have, did you have somebody in place? Like, I, I mean, I, me personally, I would be, th what's going through my mind right now is how in heaven's name do you do that being some like halfway across the world and you're buying a property in the United States? Can you just talk a little bit about wow, how'd she do that? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, built relationships with agents um, who sent me properties. And then when they would send me the property, I would open my handy spreadsheet, my deal analysis calculator, and I'd analyze the deal. And if I liked the numbers, then my agent wrote an offer. That You make it sound so easy. It, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and you're still buying today. I bet it still is. Yes. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. What are some things? Well, obviously, traveling are some of the things you look forward to. Talk a little bit about how your life has expanded because now that you have uh, the freedom to travel wherever you want. Yeah, I think that those first two properties laid the foundation for me to realize that not only was I able to, to have passive income through rental properties, but I also was able to create other businesses. So I now own a company, Aria Design Services, and we help other investors analyze, furnish, and launch their furnished rental um, from anywhere in the world. So we are furnishing rentals all over the country, and we just got our first international gig, which I'm very excited about. Oh, wow. I'm, it's too early to announce where it's at, but it is not in the U.S. I'm very excited. Thank you. Congratulations. It's really exciting. So that company helps other investors own furnished rentals. And often they live in an expensive market. So like, let's say that they're living in Denver, Colorado, and they buy a duplex in South Carolina or Ohio. Well, they don't want to stop what they're doing and fly out there and furnish it. So we do that for them. What a valuable service. I did read your book. I loved your book. And the first thing I said to myself was, this is thorough. If I want to do medium term rentals, everything you need is right here. Thank you so talk, much. I really appreciate it. Talk a little bit about the advantage of medium term rentals. And, and for our listeners who don't know what they are, could you give a brief description of what a medium term rental is? Absolutely. So right now I own 19 units in four states and 10 of my units are long term. And nine of them are medium term. And so okay. medium term means that they're furnished just like a short term rental. But instead of having two night or three night stays, I'm having 30 day stays. Hence the title of the book, 30 day stay. Mm -hmm. Why that's important is there's a lot of municipalities all over the world that are cracking down and making it illegal to have a short term rental. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're saying that you cannot have stays less than 30 days. So the way around that is to have a stay of 30 days or more. I typically rent to traveling medical professionals or travel nurses, but you can use this strategy and rent to anyone looking for a longer term furnished rental. I myself am an MTR tenant. Like when I go abroad and I rent an Airbnb in Brazil, I'm renting for two months at a time. So I'm mm -hmm. using an MTR. 
What I love about this strategy, in addition to um, it being illegal to have short-term rentals, it also was a headache for me. I didn't like having people come in every two or three days. Yes, mm -hmm. everything's automated. My cleaners are automated. The messaging to the guest is automated. The locks are automated. It's all automated, but it's still taking up mind space. Mm -hmm. I'm still mm -hmm. thinking, did that tenant check in okay? Did the cleaner do what they're supposed mm -hmm. to? Is anything mm -hmm. broken? Is everything okay? Whereas now when my guests stay 90 to 93 days, which is my average, I don't have to do anything for 80 days. I would think law of probability is if you have like less turnover, you're going to encounter less problems. Something there's else. less emergencies. There's less emergencies. Yeah. Like, that. like if a tenant, like let's say something simple, like the toilet paper holder came off the wall. Well, if that happens in between guests, you need to get it fixed right away. Mm -hmm. Because when a new guest checks in for their mm -hmm. two night stay, they're not going to like that there's, you know, a hole in the wall and the toilet paper holders on the floor. That's not yeah. okay. That's not up to my standard. However, when it's a medium term tenant, I'm going to go ahead and get my handyman to fix that. But it's not an emergency. It doesn't need to be fixed between 10 and three during checkout. You, you mentioned that you have long term rentals in addition to having medium term rentals. Is that kind of your strategy that you use? I like having long-term rentals because in theory, they're sit it and forget it. I place a tenant. Most of my tenants are renewing year after year. And so these are just properties that are slowly appreciating, which is not guaranteed. And mm -hmm. then the, the equity or the principal buy down or pay down is guaranteed because my tenants are taking care of that for me. So mm -hmm. I still love my long-term rentals. And then I love my medium-term rentals for their increased cash flow. Makes sense. Uh, I want you to talk, do you, if you don't mind, I want you to talk a little bit more about facing fear and what it's like to step out and do something unknown. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I'm i not fearful about travel um, mm -hmm. or anything of like that all comes very natural to me. I first went abroad um, when I was 19 and I remember boarding the plane in Chicago and being like, oh, I've never done this before. And I recognize that as a pattern throughout my life is that there's times in my life where I go to do something and it's in the moment that I'm like, why am I so confident? I've never done this before. Mm. <laughs> like, I'll mm. never forget the first time I spoke in front of a hundred people. Um, I like walking on stage and it's while I'm on stage that I'm like, oh, it probably would have been normal to have been nervous prior to this moment but it isn't mm -hmm. until that moment that I recognize, oh, yeah, I've never done this before. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a coping mechanism that I'm like just lying to myself <laughs> or it really is this confidence that I know I can figure anything out. Am mm -hmm. I going to excel at everything? Absolutely not. Am I going to be great at everything that I do? Probably not. But am I capable of most things? Absolutely. There's a big difference between knowing how to do something, reading the book, and then actually go ahead and doing it. Um, what are some things that you personally had to do to cross that precipice? What do you think a perfect investor does? A perfect investor probably goes forth with, and I've heard this said before, you know, nobody will have 100% of everything that they need to know before they go do something. 
So they will just go do it. Um, I've heard of the book, Ready, Fire, Aim. That's what I'm thinking of right now, where you you know you're going to go do something, just aim at it, and then you'll figure it out afterwards. And for some people, I can see where that would be intimidating because if you don't have people around you and you feel like you're on an island, mm -hmm. then ready, firing, and aiming, if you fall down, you're kind of like on your own on the island. So you brought up a few really good points. First, you're not on an island. And I think a perfect investor, first of all, there's no such thing as a perfect investor, but we're going to continue to use that phrase <laughs> because I think it's important. So a perfect investor surrounds themselves with people that are two steps ahead of them and mm -hmm. 10 steps ahead of them. So I'm looking 10 steps ahead because I know where I'm going. I know exactly what investor I'm emulating because I want to have the portfolio that she has. But then okay. I'm also surrounding myself with people two steps ahead of me because that person that's 10 steps ahead of me, she's busy. I don't have a relationship with her. I'm not going to text her. Should I buy this deal? What do you think about this? This mm -hmm. just happened. This Makes tenant sense. is saying this. Is that true? Is this illegal? I'm not texting the person 10 steps ahead of me. I'm texting the people two steps ahead of me. So you, you've already you've already mastered that. You've joined a mastermind where you're two steps, 10 steps. I mean, I think there was one week, Sue, where we saw each other on Zoom like three three days in a yeah. row. Yeah. <laughs> you got that, right? Check. But Check. then here is what another step that I think a perfect investor is doing, which I heard you say. You read a lot. So you have a lot of information. So you're educating yourself. Mm -hmm. Then I think a perfect investor analyzes 10 deals a day. So then, okay, Sarah, that sounds great in theory, but where do I get the deals? So a perfect yeah. investor goes and they get, they get deal flow. I choose to work with investor-friendly agents. Mm -hmm. Some people choose to write mailers. Sarah in 2017 chose to knock on doors and mm -hmm. cold call. So I don't care how you deal flow, but you need right. deal flow to then analyze 10 deals a day. And then when you're analyzing 10 deals a day, you should be writing one to two offers a week. Uh, what was the catalyst that brought about you going to write your book with Ziona? Yeah. So she and I went to a conference. It's actually a finance conference called FinCon, where finance meets media. And she approached me with a different book idea. And she said, I've been thinking about this. I've been wanting to write a book. Um, you have a journalism degree and storytelling experience and you're an experienced investor. Um, let's partner on this. So then we took that book idea to Bigger Pockets. And long story short, it transformed into this new idea, which was the MTR book. What made the book real for me and easy to follow and even remember some of what I was reading are the anecdotal stories that are included in the book. And it makes you want to turn the next page and the next page is like, okay, wait a minute, where's the next story? And I know another investor, a friend of mine, he's also reading the book and he's like, I have to have the physical copy because I'm making so many notes along the side. Oh, <laughs> I'm so, so many glad things to hear that. That I have to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and to your point that you said about having somebody two steps in front of you and somebody 10 steps in front of you, I think that's an excellent suggestion, especially, and even for those out there who are not 
thinking about real estate, but are pursuing a different kind of hobby that they want to go into. I think your suggestion that you have applies to anyone across the board. Well, and the reason I, being, Sue, is because if great. you go to someone 10 steps ahead of you, they don't remember how scary deal mm -hmm. one, two, and three were. Mm -hmm. Or even you may own a bunch of real estate or a handful of properties, but maybe mm -hmm. you've never done a commercial deal before, or mm -hmm. maybe you've never done a wholesale or whatever it might be. They kind of forgot the emotion tied to those decisions and, and the fear. And so mm -hmm. I think when, when you brought up fear, I think it's really important that people understand that while I'm not fearful about traveling, whereas a lot of people are terrified of traveling, right? Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of other things. Like I'm not a fearless person. I want to make that, mm -hmm. make sure that's really clear. When I put myself out there on social media, I'm fearful. When I speak on a topic that I'm not incredibly comfortable with, I'm fearful. When mm -hmm. I online dating, like, are you kidding me? I'm full of fear. Uh, what if I actually find someone that I like and then they make me stop traveling? No, <laughs> there's so much fear that is around us. And I think what's important is that you function in the fear. So just because you're scared to travel, does that mean you're not going to travel for the rest of your life? Probably not. So you're going to okay. function in the fear. What does functioning in the fear look like for Sarah? Functioning in the fear is quitting my job. That was mm. scary. Bet betting on myself that entrepreneurship is going to work out. Um, hiring my second employee. Mm. Um, that was, I was fearful. I'm now in charge of this person's salary, which felt like a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm fearful that I'm disappointing people and that I'm not enough. What do you do with those in those moments then? Because I, everything that you're talking about could be very burdensome over time, you know, and it really could, as we talked about before, take up mind, that mind space. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal to quit your job. Uh, and a lot of people can't wrap their brain around doing that. Yeah. You look at the facts. So the fact was I had X amount of dollars coming in from my rental properties. I was likely going to make X from my speaking gigs, X from affiliates, X from one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one coaching, another X from doing this. And you can always go get another job. <laughs> like that's what I think people forget is when you quit your job, it's not like all of your experience and transferable skills are erased. You could always go back and get another job. So looking at that facts and then knowing how much money I spend. So knowing mm -hmm. that in the US, I spend X amount of month to spend, to live the life that I want. But worst case scenario, I'm just going to move to Brazil or Guatemala <laughs> or Mexico because I know is, there I spend significantly less and probably even have a better quality of life. And so all of that combined was a no brainer about quitting my job. Did you have a journalism job back then? Oh, no. I had a journalism now? job for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what job did you quit? I'm just curious. <laughs> so I, work, I worked for a real estate brokerage, coaching their agents how to work with investors. Oh, okay. It sounds like a really cool gig. It was great. But, it was a great job. Um, and then I made seven times more than I would have <laughs> if I stayed in that job. So um, I'm really glad I bet on myself. Out of And, you know, I'm thinking about all the rentals that you have. Uh, could you please share a funny story? Yeah, I have, I have a wild small world story. So 
I have a single family home in Kansas City, which is where I grew up. And um, there is a tenant that applied or, you know, wanted to rent one of my rooms because I did the rent by the room strategy. So I had three, it's a four bedroom and I would rent three of the rooms. We'd leave the extra one as a guest bedroom. And I um, had a girl apply. She's from Denver, Colorado. We have no friends in common. I'm probably six or seven years older than her. And so I don't know her and I'm clicking through her Facebook um, doing my due diligence, you know, making sure that I'm, cause again, the rent by the room strategy, like this tenant is going to be roommates with the other tenants. Mm -hmm. So I do a little extra digging. Makes so sense. I click on her Facebook cover photo and it, it's her and it looks like her mom in the photo. And I look at who liked the photo and my grandma who lives in a town of a thousand, maybe a couple thousand people uh -huh. in Iowa had liked her photo. This was in 2019. This was in 2019. I happened to be in Guatemala. It was actually my first time visiting Guatemala. And now I've visited quite a few times. But my very first time okay. there, I'm sitting in a cafe. I can remember exactly where I'm sitting. I'm sitting in the Audra hostel restaurant. And I call my grandma and I'm like, Grandma, who is this? Why did you like her photo? And she goes, Oh, that's so and so's daughter. Her mom has five sisters. One of the sisters was best friends with your Aunt Peggy. Her grandma's house is on this street, which is a street oh over goodness. from my other grandma. And then the farm that backs up to my grandpa's house, her uncle owns. And I'm just like, wait, what? What were you thinking in that moment? I mean, just. Well, I'm just like, oh, what? I'm so confused. I'm like, what? I don't understand. How can a girl in Colorado have an Iowa tie? And then why is she moving to Kansas City? So finally, I'm like, I'm just going to have to tell this girl that I've been Facebook stalking her. So I call the girl. Her name's Kayla. And I call Kayla. I'm like, Kayla, I have the weirdest story. I just got to be honest with you. So I tell her the whole story and she happens to be with her mom. So she puts it her, me on speaker and her mom is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're Leslie's daughter. <laughs> and so Kayla ends up moving in and living in my house. I never meet her because I'm abroad that whole year. So I, I don't meet her until the very, like right before she moves out. And to make the story even crazier, one of the reasons that she moved out is because she got engaged. Sue, this house is the marriage house. Every tenant <laughs> that moves into this house gets engaged. There is some magic love potion in this house. Um, I'm going to get an email from listeners <laughs> asking me, where's the address for Sarah's house? I'm going to go live here for like a year so I can get engaged. <laughs> Actually, but Sue, here's the funny thing. I, I knowingly have commitment issues. So I saw the trend and I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina because I had to get out of there. That's a great story. So now I have to ask on the flip side, do you have a, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening story. Oh man. What's a good story. Um, yeah, we want the, I want the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you gave okay. us the good. Oh I want the God. bad and the yes. ugly, too. Oh, I have, so that oh, I've got, oh, I've got a story. Okay, so <laughs> I own one. No, I own two up-down duplexes. So one of my up-down duplexes, where meaning the top unit, and there's a top unit and a bottom unit. Okay. So, of course, I had a leak in the top unit, which then affects the bottom unit. It was just this one of these things where it just kept going on and on and on. Like we'd fix one thing and then we'd have to fix another thing. And I always think of the the book, uh, when you give a mouse a cookie, then he's asked, <laughs> gonna ask for a glass of milk and he's gonna need that's this. That, that's this this saga with this kitchen. 
So I'm doing all of these repairs. And then finally we need to do, um, Oh, what did we have to do? I believe we had to do mold remediation of some Mm -hmm. sort. And so we get someone in there to do this and he calls my operations manager. So now I am self-managing all 19 units from afar and I have a team member that acts as my gatekeeper. So everything goes to her before it comes to me. So they call Vivian and they're like, we can't do it today. And they're, she's like, why? What's going on? You can't get in or, you know, the tenant, all these things. And he goes, because the shrimp. We're like, I'm sorry, what? This is in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> okay. We're not in Louisiana. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, there's a tank of shrimp. We were like, what? That doesn't make, it makes no sense. So my operations manager gets a hold of the tenant and it turns out that the tenant bought shrimp off of the side of the road from a guy. Okay. Then he Googled it. Turns out that they're rare. So he bought a fish tank and he is breeding shrimp (laughs) in the unit. Does that count as a pet? I don't know, Sue. I don't know what to do. This is one of those things where I'm just like, I'm just going to pretend I don't have this knowledge. There's a reason that I don't eat seafood when I'm in the Midwest. Like, how did it get there? Where did it come from? I would have a lot of questions before I buy shrimp on the side of the road. But in my case, my tenant, Dan, he... He bought shrimp. Well, you know, actually what you said, shrimp at first, I'm thinking like no heads, you know, it's just the tail. And so I I just had this picture of a bunch of tails in a tank. I'm like, why would a guy have a bunch of tails in a tank? No, they They were live, live critters breeding. And just so were they able to, so what did they do to, what happened next? The tenant had to come home and move the tank to somewhere safe and cover it. And then the repairman had to come back another day. You could probably tell me stories all day long. Oh yeah. I got lots of stories. And, (laughs) and I think it's so important, Sue, that we don't focus on those because so many people are speaking of fear. They're so fearful that stuff like that happens. You guys, I, I did, it didn't affect me at all. Like it doesn't affect Mm -hmm. my bottom line. It doesn't affect Mm -hmm. me. It's a funny story. It's annoying because it caused more admin time or admin work for my operations manager, but this is not the end of the world. That property is cash flowing a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, Sarah, you bring up a good point. You know, that's it, there's fear that comes in there, but I think it's how you take the situation and filter it through your brain. If you view it as, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. This guy's got this tank here. Now, what am I going to do? Ah, and, and you go crazy <laughs> with it versus oh, yeah. just, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, get him to move the friggin' tank. You know, <laughs> like okay, and it's shrimp. I want to be completely clear with your audience that I'm not perfect, right? Like I I recently um, broke my arm and I didn't just break my arm, but I like annihilated my arm. Mm-hmm. I broke my humerus, my radius, my ulna. I had to get a oh. radial replacement, which means I have oh, a prosthetic gosh. elbow for the rest of my life. Oh. All the tendons were torn, had to be sewn back together. So I'm working through getting those tendons loosened up and healing the bones mm-hmm. And it completely altered my lifestyle. Yeah. And that didn't even happen in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Right? It happened that, in that happened abroad. 
Oh my gosh. And I can't imagine, like my first thought is the medical facilities there are not what you have in the United States. I had to be put under (laughs) to have my arm put back together. So at first I, first I dislocated it so badly that my arm was in like two, the bones were in two pieces. Um, So I had to have it, what's called reduced, which is like undislocating your arm. And then I had to make a decision. I had 11 investors, sorry, 17 investors coming two days Mm -hmm. later for Mm -hmm. a four day goal setting retreat. So Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision. Am I going to cancel or am I going to grin and bear it? So of course I chose the latter and I hosted a four day goal setting retreat in January of this year in Guatemala for real estate investors. And then I flew home with them on Monday, the, the, at the end of the event. And I had to fly to Omaha to have essentially emergency surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be in Chile right now hosting my next investor retreat. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm in Omaha, Nebraska doing physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And I've let myself, my mind go to a bad place. Like I'm frustrated. I'm lonely. I'm annoyed. I'm a lot of things. And all of that time, money, and energy that I've poured into personal development related to business and real estate, Mm -hmm. I am putting that those tools and those lessons to the test because about 10 times a day, I let myself go to a, Oh, this is so terrible. Or this is Mm -hmm. so hard. And I can now understand that that's what's going through a lot of real estate investors minds is -hmm. that they're like, this is so terrible. This is so hard. And I can relate in a way that I haven't been able to relate in a long time Mm. because for me, the real estate investing is a no brainer, buy a good property, make sure the numbers make sense, be a good investor bada boom, bada bang. Like mm-hmm. doesn't matter where mm-hmm. I am or where the property is, but mm-hmm. I, I, I functioned in that fear. And now I need to take those same lessons and apply it to this. And mm-hmm. I'm struggling. I can hear the struggle in your voice, but I just want to encourage you because when you do get to the end, you're going to be so much stronger than when you started. We're all where we are supposed to be. And I think when we remind ourselves that, okay, we're here, but we can go over there and set a goal there. And like we talked about before, finding somebody that's two steps ahead and then keeping your eyes on somebody who's 10 steps ahead and you'll eventually keep moving forward. And it really is who you surround yourself with. Would you agree with that? You are the compilation of the five people you spend the most time with or who you're around with the most. Have you found that to be your experience as well? Absolutely. At some point in my journey, I've had to, um, Daniel Perez last night actually just said he had to fire friends. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. so fascinating. It feels very dramatic and it's true. At some point I had to choose different friends because the ones that I was with weren't going to take me where I was going. They Mm -hmm. had got me to where I was and I'm so grateful for those. I have, I have incredible friends throughout my journey. And I mm-hmm. needed friends that I could text about analyzing deals that think mm-hmm. it's fun to read like Amanda Hahn's tax strategy book. That's what's sitting on my desk. <laughs> like I have Tom, I have Tom Wheelwright's book. I have yet to go through that one, but I find that fun yes. as well. Just well, to say Sue, because- you're, in, you're invited, you're invited to book club with us because Oh, perfect. Let me know. That, that's the kind <laughs> of stuff that that I am interested in right now. And I needed friends that say yes to spontaneous trips. 
because my other friends, and, and I'm not blaming any of them, but they just are in a, in a, in a situation where that's not either financially, emotionally, or mm -hmm. situationally an option for them. And so I'm so grateful for my friends that have chased financial independence or financial freedom, whether it be through real estate or not, because then we can all rent a house for a week in Mexico or spontaneously go on a trip to Guatemala, like whatever it mm. might be. Mm -hmm. They're yes people. So in addition to Aria Design, I also own Invested Adventures and mm. we take real estate <laughs> investors on adventures. And then I also have a mentorship program where I have mm -hmm. about 50 students that meet almost every week to mm -hmm. talk about out-of-state investing and growing your portfolio. Um, and then I'm focusing on my portfolio and I'm looking to grow my portfolio. Okay. And so what's so beautiful about real estate investing is that it can take you so many different directions that you may not have been able to see at the very beginning. Uh, one thing I want to pick up on, you said about real estate can take you in so many different directions. I think there are some of us that suffer from analysis paralysis because when you see all the real estate choices out there, it's like going to a Chinese buffet, isn't it? It's like you go there and you've got the commercial real estate bar, but it's not just commercial real estate. You can have, you know, big giant, you know, big giant shopping centers or little shopping centers or, you know, uh, different office buildings. And then you go to the other part and it's like, okay, you've got multifamily, the two doors, four doors, a hundred doors. And then you get single family. Yeah, it's Here's something I want every investor to, to remember is that you can do it all. You could do a right. burr, a wholesale, a flip, a live-in flip, a house hack, an MTR, an STR, an mm -hmm. LTR, but you're not going to do it all at the same time. So pick an order of operations. For me, it was I needed to house hack because I wanted to quit my job eventually. So I wanted to be able mm -hmm. to use that owner-occupied conventional loan. Then I wanted to burr because I wanted to recycle my funds. Mm -hmm. Then I did a furnished rental and I did it in that particular mm -hmm. order. I had so many plans that got me nowhere <laughs> until I got one plan. And my plan was mm -hmm. what I just said. So mm -hmm. that order of operations meant if anyone sent me a furnished rental to analyze, I said, no, I'm mm -hmm. only looking for my house hack this week. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I got my house hack like within days. Then mm. once that house hack was under contract, I said, okay, now I can look for the burr. So then I started looking for the burr and then I found one. Well, a real estate, a friend, investor friendly agent helped me find it. Then I turned some of those properties into a furnished rental. Mm. And so it's okay to get educated on different strategies, but at some point you have to pick an order of operations and commit to it, or you're going to end up nowhere. And I've been sense. in real estate since 2015. So imagine how many investors I've met who mm. own the same amount of properties that they did when we met years ago. Focus. Mm -hmm. Out of everything that you're talking about there, the key word is focused. Yes. You were focused. And, and then and, not and only focused, you took action. Yes. And have intention. Like I mm -hmm. intentionally built relationships with investor-friendly agents. Mm -hmm. I intentionally forced myself to stop daydreaming about furnished rentals because I wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. So many investors worry about property number three before they own property number two. That makes sense. Very good advice, actually, <laughs> to kind of set yourself up and decide what direction you're going into. It makes the buffet of choices more palatable. Well, and I think it's dangerous too. I, I mean, I, I joke yeah. that we saw each other on those three Zoom calls, 
Um, I'm using so much of this as education, not Mm -hmm. entertainment. But what I find with a lot of these masterminds is that, you know, one week they'll have me in to talk about MTRs. The next week they'll have someone else in to talk about supported living. The next week they'll have someone in to talk about syndications. It's distracting. So if you are prone to being distracted, then you need to really check your schedule. Is what I'm doing this week going to get me closer or further away to my next deal? Mm -hmm. And these things also cost money. Like that's the other thing that like we we need to remind everyone is that like everything we attend costs money money. as it it should. No one should work for free. And so you need to have return on investment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially a mastermind about investing needs to have an ROI on the the cost of that. Yeah. And so at some point we have to put in the work. I was thinking to to come back around to fear. I thought about a knowledge, learning all these things that we learn. Knowledge is an antidote to fear. Mm. Would you agree with that? I have a perfect example of this. So my first Burr, so for those of you that aren't familiar, the Burr strategy is where you buy a property, you renovate it, then you rent it out to tenants, and then you go Mm. to a bank and you say, look, I made it so shiny and new, and I have these renters Yeah. Will you allow me to refinance the property at the new value? So this was my first time doing this. I had read David Green's book. I had Mm -hmm. talked to other people. I had a Burr calculator, like a deal analysis spreadsheet. I was equipped with the knowledge, yet Mm -hmm. I was terrified because Mm -hmm. I was using hard money for the first time for Mm -hmm. the down payment that the hard money lender required. I was using private money from Mm -hmm. a college buddy. That was my first time using private money. And this was in a market I had never been to. Mm. And I was going to do everything long distance. And it was my first time doing a burr. So very scared. It was two duplexes next door to each other. So it was four units. Mm -hmm. And I would wake up in the middle of the night. I know that there has to be listeners out there that feel the same way. That like there's those thoughts where maybe Mm -hmm. you got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. And then you lay back in bed and you can't fall back asleep. Or Mm -hmm. worse yet you actually have thoughts wake you up in panic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was having both happening. So what would I do? I would get up and I would open my computer and I would open that spreadsheet, the Burr calculator, and mm-hmm. I would run the numbers backwards and forwards. What if like it doesn't appraise for what I, they said? Or what if it takes longer and I need, uh, well, then guess what? If it takes longer, you just add, increase the holding costs. What if it costs more? We'll increase that renovation number in the cell mm-hmm. that says renovation. Renovation, yeah. No matter how I sliced it, this was a great deal. So I would close my computer and I'd go back to bed. And then I'd wake up the next night, probably do the exact same thing. <laughs> and and I that's what I say. When I say function in the fear, this is what I mm-hmm. mean. So I wasn't mm-hmm. just like, oh, I hope it works. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I was educated on what the burr was. But at right. some point, you're going to have to do things for the first time. And it worked out for you too. It did. Yeah. Worked out amazingly too. It was, it was a great deal. That private lender was so happy with me that he ended up being an equity partner on another deal with me. Mm -hmm. And that hard money lender ended up offering to refinance into a 30 year product that they offered. My interest rate was 3.7, which was was a while ago, guys. Don't be calling me for those rates. Yeah. 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 But it all worked out and I'm so proud. Like I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that I functioned in the fear because Mm -hmm. it worked out and 
it worked out better than I thought. I thought the ARV was 230 and the ARV was 260 for one and 265 wow. on the one next door. And those two properties are cash flowing nicely today. Oh, if, yeah. If, even after a burr. Yeah. Um, they cash flow really wow. well. Um, I got a question for you. If you could go back to your younger self in time and deliver a message, what would you tell younger Sarah? Like like 16-year-old Sarah, younger? Yeah, like 16. Yeah, sure. <laughs> However far oh, back you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I would tell her, calm down. I think people would be surprised with, with how much I travel. I, I assume people probably think I'm spontaneous and, you know, wild. 16-year-old Sarah was really stressed. Like if I'm an avid journaler, so I've written in my journals for since I was 12. I, I have just stacks and stacks of journals. Um, and sometimes I'll go back and read them. And I am amazed how much I was worried, mm -hmm. worried about getting the right job, getting into the right college, having like the right scholarship and, and money. I was so worried about money. And so if I could go back and just tell her anything, it would be like, it's all going to work out. Mm -hmm. I'd probably whisper, chill out <laughs> and like have more fun. <laughs> That's not advice for all 16-year-olds. That's definitely <laughs> not good advice for all 16-year-olds. My 16-year-old self should have chilled out a little bit. Before we go, one, other than the book that you wrote, <laughs> what's what's one book that's on Sarah's top read list that you would throw out there that every you think everybody should read? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I love the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. When I read that book, I, <laughs> I knew I read it in my early twenties and I knew that I was going to live a life similar to Tim. Mm -hmm. And so some of the best compliments I've gotten have always been from like middle-aged men and they're like, <laughs> Your your life kind of is like that book that I read. I'm like, <laughs> I hope you're talking about the four hour work week. There's a lot of other books out there, but I mm -hmm. hope that's what you're talking about. And um, yeah, I I love how Tim one his book is like a reference book. So similar mm -hmm. to Thirty Days Day, you can just like pick it up and read the chapter that applies most to you and mm -hmm. your life or your business. And then he chose experiences, and mm -hmm. that is what I spent all of my twenties doing, and now my early thirties really focusing on what, what experiences do I want in life? So for him, it mm -hmm. was salsa dancing in Buenos Aires, whereas for me, it was taking Spanish lessons in Buenos Aires or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. I think that figure out what do you want your life to look like? And it doesn't have to look like spending months at a time abroad. Right. It, mine is not going to look like this forever. Right, um, right. But, but you're this, enjoying it while you can, because we all go through seasons, right? That's one thing I love about you, Sarah. You just embrace what's right in front of you. Sarah, I want to thank you for being here. Uh, is there anything, one last thing you want to leave us with? Before yeah, the, we're best, done? the best place to find out about mm -hmm. anything that I've talked about or follow up with me is my website, sarahdweaver.com, mm -hmm. or people can reach out to me directly on Instagram. Sarah D. Weaver is my Instagram handle. And I hope okay. you guys do. I would love to hear from you. So Sarah, again, thank you. This was a fantastic interview. I am so thankful I got to spend an hour with you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I value your time with me because I realize you could be listening to someone else right now. If you got any value or think someone else can benefit from what you heard, please spread the word, hit subscribe, and check out my website at www.suesaller.com. 
Remember, life doesn't get better by chance, it gets better by choice. Take small steps and make today awesome, friends. Have a great day and God bless.